Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the Tackle Podcast, the podcast that brings you weekly sports conversation, tackles the big issues in sport, and brings you the big news stories. Guys, how are we doing? Well, very well. Good, good. Another good. weekend goes by, another week of sport. Can't complain. Guys, I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, it's the only thing I'm looking forward to in lockdown. Uh, it feels like a 30 minute break. You know, when you're at work and someone's like, you've got 30 minutes to your break, and then before you know it, it's it's gone and you're like, oh shit, I've got to get back to work. That's what it feels like to me, thinking you miss it. Um, any boys, you get anything interesting? I, well, I say I asked that question. It's lockdown. Like, how interesting can you get going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> what, what, can, what can you do, mate? What can you do? Obviously, you have your hour of exercise. Feels like you're bloody serving 25 to life, really, doesn't it? But Absolutely. Well, hopefully, yeah, we get the turn, turn five on Saturday. So, uh, isolation party. Happy birthday, uh, Finn, if you're listening really. to the pod. Yeah, Finn, big five, getting a big boy now. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's probably, it's, it's even harder having a kid because they just want to go out. You know, he's asking when his party is. I'm thinking, well, uh, no one knows. I sort of missed birthdays when I was a kid just because, like, the presents were always like more exciting. You used to get some pretty cool toys, you know, like an action man or or some transformer or so. And now you just get socks and pants and it's just not the same. Um, exactly. Yeah. Hey, to be fair, boys, I don't, I don't know about you, but the, 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 one, the one thing that I missed most about birthday parties was the goodie bags, wasn't it? Back in the day, everyone used oh, to get like, party hats and all the rest of it. It was like a reward for being sociable. <laughs> yeah, now if you're, now you're, if you're, if you're sociable, <laughs> you get a £200 fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, la- right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my name's Leon, and I'm your host today. Uh, and over there, I have my friends. I'm Ross. And I'm Ben. Right, guys. Uh, if you'd like to get in touch with us at the pod, uh, we're on the Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook at the Tackle Podcast. We're also coming to you from Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you guys get your podcasts. Uh, and likewise, if you'd like to stop us an email, it's the tacklepod at gmail.com. Thank you for everyone this week for getting in touch, liking and supporting our socials. Uh, but boys, I think it's time to uh, get into what happened this week. So in starting with the news, uh, fresh from today, we have Naomi Osaka and Jok- uh, Novak Djokovic uh, respectively winning at Australian Open. Novak Djokovic in particular, ninth time winning the tournament. Uh, he's been unbeaten uh, in any final he's got to Melbourne. Now, considering obviously his criticism that he's had coming into this tournament and the way he's been playing, I mean, to go on and, and to win it, of course, with, you know, with Nadal uh, getting beat on it earlier in the tournament. I mean, where's he stand now? I mean, 18 Grand Slams, you know, he's uh, only two behind both Nadal and Federer. Uh, Want to kick on this year? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think he, he needs to be pushed up that that world ranking up there. Is he the greatest of all time? Well, I know we touched on that last week, but that's certainly a question in tennis. Um, you know, nine nine the Australian Opens itself is pretty incredible. And, you know, as we did touch upon last week, um, being at the top of the game in all the finals, you know, that sort of pushes you towards the greatest of all time. And, you know, when it gets to the finals, this guy just steps up constantly competition after competition um but yeah he, he's certainly up there for me certainly up there um yeah and, and to your point to be fair um ross i couldn't agree more really mate um two grand slams behind federer and nadal um and half of his 18 grand slams have been claimed in melbourne anyway um i mean you know that he was being um under the spotlight for the last um four or five weeks you know with what he was saying in terms of 
um, how stars should be treated. Um, but to be fair, I think um, I think today's win was the perfect response, really, um, as he continues to aim to make tennis history. We can always see someone like someone like Novak obviously kicking on this year, uh, and hopefully the likes of you know Wimbledon and the U.S. Open uh, does go ahead post-COVID restrictions. Uh, moving on to rugby now, fellas. And uh, unfortunately, the French squad, uh, depending on which side of the coin you sit, French squad been hit with COVID. Uh, they've all been in isolation since sort of, uh, last week. Uh, Dupont, in particular, uh, the, the main stars, testing positive. He's been ruled out for, this, uh, for their game against Scotland. Firstly, what does this mean for the rest of the tournament, considering obviously the form that France are in? And secondly, you know, DuPont already ruled out of the Scotland game. How much are they going to miss their star man? Oh, massively. Absolutely massively. Uh, you know, that French team, he's really been making them tick. You've seen he's been the stand-up player for the game so far. I think if you're Scotland, you're looking at this thinking, you know, this is this has now become a winnable game. Uh, if they can go over there and put up a good performance, you know, and then that sort of blows the Six Nations back wide open again. So, right Obviously, being an English fan, I would I would hope that happens. I think France probably still do have enough. Um, but yeah, like you said, Dupont and there's four other French players as well that are uh, are going to be unavailable. So, you know, that's a third of the team they're going to have to um, swap around. So, um, yeah, it's, it makes it certainly interesting for next weekend. See how that game goes. Absolutely. And I think, you know, on this... You know, their talisman being Dupont, he's been their star man for the first two games, you know, and arguably one of the, you know, the best player in the world at the moment. To miss him is a reshuffle, not only in the squad, but also their tactics as well. You know, somebody, you know, a team like Scotland coming off the back of, an, uh, of a good win against England, now a loss against Wales, will be looking at this game now thinking this is one to win. And if they do win, other teams like England, you know, who obviously got got Wales uh, this Saturday, or the, on the coming Saturday, will again be targeting the game even more so, thinking if we beat Wales, we get back in a tournament. Uh, so, yeah, big big implications. Sticking with rugby, fellas, the legend, that is Dan Carter. We made a post on this on our socials in the week, uh, week guys. Um, the legend that Dan Carter has announced his retirement from the game of rugby. I mean, what more can we say about the man? The guy is a legend, you know, an absolute GOAT. <laughs> I mean, we we don't say we did a poll in the week. Uh, you know, where's he ranking at all time sort of goats of of rugby? But just let um, just a few stats. Winner of the 2011-15 World uh, and 15 World Cup, 112 All Black caps, world record of 1,598 test points, three-time World Player of the Year, nine Tri Nations, four Super Rugby titles, two top 14s, Two Japan top four, uh, top league titles and a series win against the uh, British and Irish Lions in 2005. What more can we say about the man? I mean, not, not only is he good at rugby, he's good looking, uh, he's humble. I imagine he has a huge penis. Um, <laughs> I say, I'm not sure what more we can say about it. <laughs> um, yeah, and too, too fairly on. I mean, you know, he, he's he's bringing his illustrious career that spanned nearly two decades to an end. Um, obviously, as you said, in regards to the stats, you know, of course, um, you know, all-time all um, test history scorer, you know, for 1,598 points. I mean, the man's got nothing left to, nothing left to prove. Um, and to be fair, I, I think there was no better time for him. He's done it all. Um, there was nothing left for him to do. Um, so, yeah, I think it was uh, just time for him to walk out of the game with his head held high and be regarded as one of the all-time greats for sure. 
I mean, I'm really interested now to find out what he actually does post rugby. Like, does he become a gardener, or does he become work in a shop, or does he get in the? Go- I don't know. I mean, it's Dan Carr. He can probably do anything he wants, frankly. Um, but Dan, uh, congratulations on a great career, and uh, we wish you all the best. Uh, now, moving the football, fellas. Um, now with, with the round shape ball, uh, Jonathan Woodgate has been named Bournemouth boss to the end of the season. Uh, we absolutely, uh, you know, wish him well, uh, and hopefully he can turn things around for Bournemouth. AC Milan, AC Milan nil, Inter Milan three in the Milan derby uh, coming up from today. And now moving on to you know, football of the American kind, uh, and something that we should have mentioned last week, ladies and gentlemen. A uh, bit of tr- bit of uh, trade rumours or a bit of uh, bit of movements in the camp. JJ Watt. After 10 years to leave the Houston Texans. Guys, how much of a loss is this for the uh, for the Texans? And where ultimately do we see JJ going? Just another um just another hiccup for the Texans, really. I mean, the, the organization as a whole is in disarray. I mean, um, you know, Deshaun Watson requesting a trade. Obviously, we're yet to see what's going on with that. Um, and obviously now JJ Watt, I mean, there was talk of it happening for quite some time anyway. Um, but I thought I, I didn't think anyone was actually expecting this to happen. Um, so there's a long list of teams. I believe it was around a third of the league that were registering interest in him. Um, obviously, I know obviously with him being from Wisconsin, obviously he's been heavily linked with Ross's Packers, but I can't see that happening because you need to make cap space for that to happen and JJ ain't gonna come in on the team. I can dream. Um, yeah, you can dream, mate. Yeah, um, there's from what I've been reading, there, there's um, a lot of wind behind him led to the um, to the Browns. Now, I mean, of course, both of his brothers, um, obviously DJ and Derek, are at the Steelers. Um, so, and again, the Steelers were another team where he was, um, you know, allegedly linked to go in. I mean, you go to the Browns, who were too fair, you know, had a solid season and under uh, you know rookie head coach um, Stefanski. Playoff win against the Steelers. Um, you add JJ Watts to that. I mean, you're talking potential divisional winner there. I mean, the Ravens are in the, not not necessarily downward spiral, but they, they haven't been that fantastic, you know, the last two years. Um, and the Steelers, that's a quarterback situation. Because again, there's rumours that Big Ben might might walk. Um, so you never know. You could you could see we could see um, what Rock in '99 for the Browns. You never know. I mean, that would be Imagine something, absolutely. And Miles Garrett. Oh. Oh. oh that would be, I mean... Imagine, what defense. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I would pray for all quarterbacks in that division. Uh, absolutely. It'd be interesting to see where he does end up. For, just as you say, you know, will he link up with his two brothers uh, at the Steelers? And, you know, that all depends, doesn't it, on what happens with Big Ben, what the Steelers will be targeting in the upcoming draft. You know, is Big Ben worth the hit on the cap. That's the big question. He's coming to the end of his career. Um, you know, he's been in and out with injuries over the past few years. So, yeah, interesting. As I say, with Wisconsin as well, it, it, again, it, it all depends on what the Green Bay want to do with Aaron Rodgers. You know, current MVP, he's not going to likely leave, you know, for chump change. Um, and whether or not they release him is a big talking point. Um, but definitely one to keep an eye on. Uh, another big uh, trade going on in the NFL, Carson Wentz um, leaves the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in return for a third round pick. And he's end, he's going to be end up, play, end up playing for the Indianapolis Colts next season, fellas. Ultimately, who's getting the better deal? Is it the Colts or is it the Eagles? Uh, I think for me, Leon, I think, I think the Colts are getting the, the better deal here. I know Carson Wentz had a really poor season 
last season. Started 12 games and 15 interceptions. He led the league in interceptions, which is not something you uh, you really want to be top in the league for. Um, but Colts already look like a championship side. I know once you take um, Rivers out of there, are they as good? Uh, you know, I'm not, not so sure. But, I mean, if Wentz can come in and find the form that he found in 2017 where... He was almost favourite to be MVP. I mean, I know we had the ACL injury, which was which was horrendous, and the Eagles went on to win uh, to win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, for me, the Colts are going to be up there again, uh, up there again this year. For the Eagles, I'm not sure. I know they've got a couple of draft picks. Whether they see anyone in the draft that they think you know could could be a real stud and improve the squad, then you know they'll obviously think they've got the better hand. Let's not forget, um, Ross. Yeah, let's yeah, not, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. Let's not forget the Eagles also drafted uh, Jalen Hurts uh, last year. Uh, obviously, they already planned for the future in that draft, thinking, you know, what's going to happen with Carson? Obviously, looking at uh, last season, didn't perform as as well for the Eagles as we'd hoped. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, what's, what's going to happen? I think, obviously, the Eagles have got bigger problems. They've got quite an aging squad now, especially with, the, you know, their stars of, you know, Graham and Cox, you, you know, what, how long are they going to essentially be, be around for? Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens to the Eagles, but I definitely think I, I agree with you that the Colts are, uh, are, are getting the better deal here. Um, anything to add, Ben? Um, well, as, as you guys have already touched up on, really, I, I think it was a case that they just wanted to, uh, I think it was a case that the Eagles just wanted to jump ship from Wentz. Um, I was quite surprised at the fact um, that obviously with um, Doug Peterson um, getting fired, I, I took that as that the Eagles wanted to um, stick with Carson and then move forward and see how, how far they could go. I mean, not, not to forget, boys, in, in the Span of three years, he's gone from MVP candidate to effectively a backup. Like that in itself is mad. Um, I think so. The, the fact that in, I think um, the fact that Indianapolis gave up um, a second and a third, I think that that's an unbelievable deal for them. I mean, um, they for the last um, since obviously Andrew Luck retired, they feel like a quarterback shy of actually being a real contender. Um, and if Wentz, um, it's a big if, mind, and depending on how he was last season, um, and the fact that obviously now he's, um, you know, partnering back up with um, Frank Reich, because of course when he was with him being the offensive coordinator at Philly during that MVP and calibre season, um, if he gets back to that, then who knows, the Colts may go all the way. Um, I, the, the Eagles, oh, I feel, uh, are going to have big another course. terrible. Yeah, I, I mean the, the, mm-hmm. the Colts, that organization, they're they're run so well from top to bottom. They really are. Uh, um, defensive line is is just mental. Um, you've got an absolute stud in Quinton Nelson, um, Carson behind him. I mean, you've got Michael Pittman coming into his second year. Um, Hilton, again, you know he he's he's not exactly a terrible receiver. Um, they've got pieces and they can they can do things. So it, it just it just depends whether or not Carson can come in, learn learn the playbook, and actually get the ball rolling. I mean, even if it doesn't work out, I mean, it's you know it, it, it's a second and third. I think if, for example, well, it wouldn't be as bad as if Matthew Stafford doesn't work out at the Rams, obviously with what they get put for him. 
Um, so I, I think I think Colts fan would be very happy with this, and um, I, I think to be fair, they, they, the Colts could they could have a very big season. Right. That now we move back on to the round shape ball, and the big news story coming from the this week, ladies and gentlemen, uh, is an incident that you may have seen on social media in the news between refer, FA referee. Darren Drysdale and Ipswich Town midfielder Alan Judge. It's part of a bit of controversy, uh, and you may say you may have seen the image of uh, Darren Drysdale squaring up to uh, the Ipswich Town midfielder. Uh, and obviously, whether or not this is justified, and whether or not you know refs should be acting like that, this is something that we normally associate with behaviour from players. Um, and it's going to be both part of Ross's rant this week and our big tackle uh, where we're going to discuss ref- refereeing in sport, uh, particularly within uh, within football. Um, but I think it's about time I'll pass on to uh, to Ross. And Ross, by all means, be- begin your rant, big man. And uh, we'll dive straight into this. We will, we will. Well, this is something that has sort of been rumbling on, I feel, that just, you know, the lack of respect that the referees get in in football is just... I mean, you look at the other sports, I'm sure we're going to touch on the other sports, but in, in football, I just I, it, it just baffles me because, you know, without a referee, you haven't got a game. You know, they're there just to enforce the rules and the disrespect, I think, is just, is just well, just ridiculous. I mean, from a refereeing standpoint, I just think to myself, why are you not issuing yellow cards for dissent? That's part of the law. Why are the referees... I, I mean, I can't remember the last time I've seen a referee book someone for dissent but I can guarantee you I've probably seen three or four instances, let alone today, where you can lip-read the player and what you're saying to the referee is not all that pretty. Now, me thinking as a referee, I'm thinking, God, I can't believe he's just called me that. He's getting a yellow card for dissent. That's, that's disgusting. And then I just think to myself, that happens, and that must happen to these referees almost every single game. Now, what Darren Drysdale's done, I don't think is acceptable uh, at any sort of level being a referee. But I'm sure he's got it every week and he probably just had enough of it and I sort of don't blame him. I, I almost expected something like this to happen probably sooner, whether like a referee just to lash out, if he's not having a good day, he's not had a good morning, whatever, his car's broken down the way to the game, some bloke just called him a fucking clown because he didn't think it was a foul. It's, it's hard to sort of take that on each day. People need to remember that these referees are human beings at the end of the day. Yes, they've had all the training. Standard refereeing is obviously another conversation, but I just I just don't get it. And like I said, why why are they not issuing cards? They should be offering yellow cards out like no tomorrow. You know, I'd just be sort of, I'd be there stood there, you know, get three or four players that all crowd around you and call you this, call you that. Well, there's a yellow. There's a yellow card for dissent. It, it just... It just baffles me. I think one of the things that I think should happen is almost like in rugby is I think these referees need to be mic'd up, right? Get the microphone on the referee so they can hear what the referee is saying and see what is being said to the referee. Now, that's the only way you're going to get to the bottom of this because these players are walking around saying X, Y, and Z to the referee. You're this, you're that. That's bloody rubbish and F this and F that. But I just feel like these referees are just stood there and expected to take this barrage of abuse by these professional footballers. And, you know, I just, it just baffles me. I think referees don't help themselves. I think they do need to start dishing out yellow cards. You know, I, I, I was watching the uh, Arsenal Man City game and, you know, there were a load of instances where there's three or four players all crying around the referee and the referees just there, you know, 
tell him to go away and they still just stood there. You know, referees should say, right, go away. If you're not going to move, I'm going to book, you know, I'm going to book you for dissent. And then if he doesn't move, right, they are, you get a yellow card. And then you see how many players will then stop doing that. And I just, it just baffles me. You know, I think the footballers need to show referees a lot more respect. And I think the referees need to be a bit more stricter, get those yellow cards out and say to people, you know, that that is not acceptable. I mean, some of the language, like I said, you can lip read them. And, and I'm thinking, how are you getting away with saying that? You know, I go back to Dylan Hartley in the 2013 Premiership final. You know, he said, oh, you fucking cheat. And the referee thought he was saying to him, straight away, bang, red card, off you go. You're not playing for the rest of the game. And, you know, he just called him an effing cheat. You know, and th- you must, the referees in football games must get worse than that. I mean, you know, they must call them all sorts. But I think they just need to start taking a much stricter approach with it. And the players just shouldn't be allowed to get on with it. You know, children and all this watch the games. I mean, whether they're old enough or not, they can probably get half an idea of what they're saying. But I think we should be pointing out that these incidents and all this abuse of the referee is actually not acceptable. And I think that's where the referees need to start dishing out the yellow cards and say to these young children watching the game, yes, there's a referee. You might not agree with it, but you can't go around calling him X, Y and Z. And I just don't think, you know, that that's, that's not fair and we should be setting an example. Uh, I, I, I do agree. And I think, you know, with it, that there's a lot to digest here, isn't there? I think first and foremost. Yes, huge um, amount. There's a huge amount to digest. I think, you know, one thing we need to, we first thing I think we need to touch on is just the standard of refereeing. Um, because I think the standard of refereeing plays a massive part into sort of why why we get instances like this you know i think we get instances like this when players get frustrated at referees for making either wrong or poor decisions that's nowhere near that's nowhere means an excuse for that behavior um but it is almost a reason why that happens I, I, you know i think you know for example darren darren drysdale you know he's made a decision um you know it's it's not gone ips ips which is way alan jones is sort of out of error and uh, obviously darren drysdale hasn't hasn't uh hasn't, hasn't liked it and he's obviously squared up to him now on the one hand we can't you know it's, it is unacceptable from 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 the ref because you know we we don't want that confrontation in sport because as you mentioned earlier there's it's on it's on it's in the media it's on the telly you know kids are going to see that uh you know and it's going to be replicated in the amateur game in the kids games people think it's all right likewise like we say there rock with um you know when they see players you know effing and blinding swearing oh you're a fucking dickhead you're pre-. but you, we can't be saying we can't be you know giving that message you know to to kids especially on tv i do think it's a great point actually that if in like in the other sports, uh, you know, rugby being one of them. And, you know, we're not here to start, you know, hashtag rugby values and start, you know, start getting on that bang. And we'll probably come on to rugby, uh, standard rugby ref in, it, in, in a moment. Um, but in football, if if players were mic'd up, you know, or wrestling mic'd up, we could pick up what they were saying on, on, you know, whilst they're playing. I think that'd be a massive deterrent. Absolutely. Because, you know, yeah, if if you're swearing, if you're you, you know you're got a sponsor, you got a big sponsor, and you know they've picked you up, or you know you're 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 fucking you're you're this or that, you know to you know, sponsors drop you tomorrow. They're like we can't, you know, you see it all the time in the media. Someone does something, yeah. um, they get dropped. So I think standards definitely one of them. Um, are we almost forgetting? Just so I want to touch on a point in just almost to justify. I don't even know if justify is the right word, but you know, 
Darren Drysdale behaviour. Are we forgetting that refs are human as well? And maybe the players almost forget that. And that if you were if you were walking down the street, you were at work or you were wherever you you know wherever you might be, and someone aggressively com- you know confronts you, how are you likely to react? You wouldn't you know you'll go oh, I ain't having too much of this. You know who's who's this who's this like giving it the big gun? Um, and then you'll put you'll probably square up to him as well. So are we almost? Are we? At, is this guy's damned? If, well, look, is this guy is damned if he does, damned if he doesn't? If he stands there and takes it, he doesn't solve the issue. If he confronts him because he's a ref, it's frowned upon that he's done that. So, whose side do we stand on? That's my question. Well, the, the, this is it. You got you got a point. You know, you got you got a point to argue for for both sides. I mean, obviously the the incident. Um, Obviously, with um, with Judge, I mean, if 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 Judge was just approaching the ref and squared up to him, then we'd be talking fucking six month ban, you know, God knows how many thousand pounds fine. Whereas, um, obviously, it's, it's rather lenient from the from the refs the ref side as well. I mean, that is inexcusable anyway. I I, I don't know what started it. I think it was just a heat of the moment. And, um, but for that to happen was just ridiculous. You, you, you know, you're seeing you're seeing the players having to pull the ref away. For fuck's sake! I mean, you know, yeah. that, that's just mental. Um, but I think from from like a fan's point of view, um, going into the likes of obviously, you know, we, we've seen a lot of controversy recently with obviously like Mike Dean and you know other Premier League refs. When it gets into when it gets personal in terms of like you know social media abuse, death threats, and things like that, at the end of the day, it's a fucking game. Like, so what if I know obviously that there's diehard fans that all, all they do is literally they just wait um, all, all week to, you know, wait for their teams to play on a, you know, on a Saturday or a Sunday um, and obviously cheer them on from the first to the last minute to try and obviously get the three points, which I get. But I mean, if if a referee is awarded a penalty in the 90th minute and your team, you know, that that's, um, you know, drops from three points to one or from one to zero, that doesn't, give you the opportunity to then go online and slander, you know, the referee saying like, you know, fair enough. Yeah. If you want to say a referee shit, then fair enough. Say a referee shit. You can't quite say, you know, you know, um, wish ill of him and his family and things like that and making him genuinely worry and asking the FA, look, don't, don't give me any games this weekend. It's like, you know, I'd, I'd rather just sit at home with the, you know, with the wife and kids. Like I think, you know, that there needs to be a line. I mean, with rugby, you don't see, you don't see that at all. Even with fans, you don't see um, fans chanting like the referees a wanker or anything like that. I think, I think the the worst I've heard is you don't know what you're doing. Um, so I, I, I don't know us, why there's such a. I think this brings us on to a good question now. In that, so I think Ben, I think you've you've alluded to that with the comparison. It's a good time maybe to come on to comparison. Is um, one, why is it almost acceptable in football that refs are treated this way? Why is it acceptable that, you know, as you say, people can go online or people be in the stands and they'll be chanting about the ref and his performance? So that's point number one. I think the irony as well is in a world where we're all taught to sort of be kind and hashtag be kind. And, you know, we've only just gone past the year anniversary that Caroline Flax passed away, you know, due to, you know, you know, obviously, unfortunately, rest in peace, Caroline Flax. 
that she committed suicide based on comments and uh you know and points and and pressures from people in social media you know that people for some reason in sport that's almost forgotten it's a bit weird but you, you, you know how how that sport's almost an exception to that rule um but yeah i say go back to the first question is why one is it acceptable in in foot you know especially in football uh for for that treatment to referees to be allowed um and secondly playing devil's advocate now if if Marcus Rashford plays today, for example, Manchester United versus Newcastle, and he has a bad game, it'll be all over the media uh, how badly he's played and he should be dropped and also and th- that criticism of players is widely accepted. So my question becomes why why can't we do that to refs? Not saying that we have to, you know, call them every name in the sun and you know and say oh, you know you should never referee again, or, or or anything like that, but they they have a performance nonetheless. So why can't we playing devil's advocate also make criticisms of their performance? Um, well, that, that, that's the thing, mate. It's it's not acceptable. Um, why? I think I think it's just how how society's allowed it to get to that point. Um, it's 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 not acceptable in any way, shape, or form. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, footballers and refs are, are there on a weekend doing their job. Um, yeah, fair enough. Obviously, that you know there are decisions that aren't going to go. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go how they expected. And I, I think with obviously the introduction of VAR, I think if, if anything, obviously they've said that it's, it's there to help those um, fine lines and those difficult decisions. But if anything, it's, it's just ruining the game because it's exposing refs more, if anything. Um, so why, as I said, obviously everyone is obviously on, on the bandwagon of, you know, VAR shit and it's ruining football. Um, it does have its advantages, don't get me wrong, but I think following any any VAR decision, a referee is immediately gonna get um gonna get criticized for it, regardless if they go to the monitor or not. Um so why why football fans resort to going online and all the rest of it? I think that's just how society is. Um and it needs to stop because as I said, there's there's no situation where it's acceptable or even necessary to um you know, to um, literally threaten a ref or whatever just for, for them doing their job. Obviously, if they, where, where I sit on it is, again, of, of course, I'll use Mike Dean as an example, is the whole the whole Suchek incident, obviously, a couple of weeks back, right? So Stockley Park have gone in his ear and they said, all right, there might be an incident there. Go and, go and check it out. All right, okay, fair enough. Goes over to the monitor and he watches it four or five times, however many times it is, comes back, sends them off. When everyone watching at home was like, that's, you know, no no chance that's a red card. But where I don't agree with it is where he comes out the following day or the next couple of days and goes, oh, actually, no, I, I admit I made a mistake. It's like, well, that's why VAR was introduced. So I understand fans' frustrations, but I wouldn't... I mean, is it is it a case that refs are uneducated? Um, I mean, they're, they're allegedly, obviously, the, the best in you know best in the country um, and the fact that you get to rewatch an incident and you're still getting those decisions wrong uh, where where do we you know where where do you put the um, pin in that one really I mean there, there's well, several talking points don't get me wrong but I think the whole I, I think on that one bet you, you know, on, yeah I think on that in you know just in sort of jumping in Mike Dean's offence you know 
you know, it's a high pressure environment, uh, you know, professional, professional sport in, in general, it's a high pressure environment. Even sometimes with the likes of technology, you could get things wrong. You know, that won't be the first instance. It definitely won't be the last. And, you know, we can say that, you know, across sport and, you know, and pretty much every weekend. Um, I think it might be actually a good time to maybe just touch on technology actually um, and compare, uh, you know, for maybe compare football to other sports. And, you know, we've had a talk on VAR um, on this pod before. Um, so we're not looking to necessarily get on that again, but, you know, VAR has been introduced to assist referees. You know, we, you know, in a, in sport in general, it's high pressure, as we've mentioned, you know, there's a lot of finances, a lot of money, uh, you know, involved. For example, if you take the championship playoff game, you know, that is the, the most expensive game in the, in, in the world. You know, the winner of that game gets 150 million pound cash money. Uh, you know, you, you almost, if, if you ask any team to get into that final, do you want VAR on this week, uh, weekend or not? I guarantee you every single one of them is going to say, yes, please, because the technology is designed to assist referees. Now, I think this is maybe where the problems problems align in all the questions in that one. Does the technology undermine the ref's authority? Because if we take football as an example, you know, uh, a good incident was uh, the Liverpool-Everton game this weekend. And we're going to come on to that later on in the pod and we'll talk about that game. But the penalty incident, for example, wasn't initially given a penalty on, on the field. VAR, get on uh, get on the on the mic, say, got to go and check it. He goes and check it. VAR overruled the ref and say, look, it's a penalty, penalty's given. All right. Compare that to something like rugby union, you know. Uh, TMO and Rubber Union can get in touch and say, "Look, you want to check this? You want to, you know?" Ultimately, the ref on the field still has the final say, and because they're mic'd up, they go for their logic, they go for their reasoning, and go, "I don't think this because I'm not going to give a penalty because you know." And as a fan, you feel reassured, or you know, even as a player or as a captain, you feel reassured because you know you can hear that logic and go, "Look, this is a penalty. This is a try. This is a, uh, a sending off, and these are the reasons." I don't think we're getting that in football. And I think there's a lot of uh, uncertainty for people sitting at home and for people on, on the pitch. Because, you know, I don't think the captain in football necessarily has the same uh, rapport with refs as they do in rugby. I think it's very evident on, you know, on, on, on when you watch Premier League, for example. But that's my question. One, are we undermining sort of refs' ability or refs' authority? Um in, in rugby based on, on something like VAR? Um, or actually, is the problem with the operatives of VAR itself? Or because it's relatively new, um, and don't get me wrong, you know, you see it all the time in rugby that, you know, people, how they miss that, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but do we almost put too much onus on the man in the middle and not actually the entire refereeing team? Because, you know, in a, in sport like rugby union, it's a team now, isn't it? It's a ref. It's a two. It's a two assistants. It's a it's a TMO. Um, they're all working in tandem. I think for me, um, yeah, the, the the good thing with technology is that when the incident happens in the game, that referee has got to make a decision almost instantly. He's seen it. He's got to make a quick call as to now. Do I think? that was a penalty, did it look like a penalty, you know, and I think with the referee, I think you always think, well, if you could just stop time for a second, you know, have a bit of a closer look and then actually decide. This is where technology comes in, in case the referee has made a clear and obvious 
error. Those are the keywords, clear and obvious. Now, being a referee, I wouldn't want to, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't do that as a job, just trying to make that decision almost instantly. Something might be like a clear-cut penalty, you know, someone's gone over. You can't necessarily see if there's contact. So it's hard to give a pen. don't see any contact. You know, if there's, if there's someone that's run in front of you and you don't see that contact as a referee, can you give that as a penalty? Whereas, you know, with VAR, they might actually then say, I think you have missed a penalty here. So for me, I think, you know, we, we do give the referees a fair bit of onus and the fact that VAR then has to look at it and it has to be clear that he has made a mistake. Um, and if anything, you know, the onus is on the referee because it is their decision they need to overturn. So I think, you know, the buck does start with the referee and then obviously VAR is then or should be the support that either says, yes, your decision is correct or no, actually, I think you need to have a look. Obviously, we've had this conversation with VAR and things get overturned a few days after and, you know, that's a whole separate conversation. But for me, I think that is where VAR is good because it does give the referee to have another look at an incident which you know, he gets another angle that he didn't see because, he, you know, the referee can't be everywhere and he hasn't, you know, he hasn't made a mistake in that split second. You, know, you might ask questions, well, yeah, you have a look at VAR and then, you know, the incident gets slowed down. When you look at something in a slowed down, does, you know, are you then taking into account the pace that someone's running at? You know, if you slow it down, there's a little clip on his heel. It doesn't look that bad, but actually when you watch it in full time, you know, the guy is absolutely gunning it and any little touch is going to cause him to then fall over and that then would be a foul. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the way that I sort of see it is that, you know, the referee is still, you know, the main the main one in the game making those decisions. And I think VAR needs to be there to then justify yes or no. Friend of the pod, Joe Back, gets in touch uh, via our socials and says, uh, referee is not given any respect. I'm surprised it's taken so long for an incident like this to happen uh, in regards to the Darren Drysdale incident. Uh, rugby refs are given far greater respect, but it's sadly heading in the wrong way. And I think this is a good time to touch on that, actually. We've seen a sort of little bit of descent creeping into rugby. Uh, recently, Carl Sinclair of uh, Bristol Bears picking up a ban uh, for saying, uh, are you fucking serious, ref? When the refs miss the put, miss the, uh, you know, blatant uh, incident on on call, and uh, even when Liam Williams uh, the other week got sim binned, um, rather than just taking a sim bin and walking off, turns around to the ref and goes, "Oh, we're playing touch now, are we?" You know, a little bit cheeky for for from Liam Williams there. Um, I think this sort of just puts into um, sort of a. Because my question is. One, we're seeing it creep in in rugby, where traditionally respect to referees is is utmost. I think it's about a good time to sort of almost come to the end of this and say, look, what do we want? What do we want to happen? Uh, what do we need to see in in particularly football uh, and then also sport? Because you know, if you look at sport, has a lot of issues in with refereeing. You know, rugby has quite high values. You know, if you look at someone like tennis, for example, you speak to the umpire in the wrong way, you're getting an on the spot fine. You know, and it's that simple. Um, you know, you could be, you know. Uh, I think Ross, you had a great point in, in the build-up to this about the NFL and the injection and the ejections. Essentially, you know, in the in the NFL, if you make contact with uh, an official, you get ejected from the game. That's it. You're gone. Off you go. That's it. And this is the kind of thing that I sort of look at, and I think that 
the the difference in respect between sports is is so is so huge and you know we put we did put this out on socials and I had uh, a friend of mine Tom Foster um, who commented as well and saying that you know football refs they need to start acting like rugby refs uh, you know zero tolerance of back chatting you know like you've just touched on descent and and then also diving so I think I think you know we don't want to turn football referees into rugby referees. That is absolutely not what we want to do. But I think that the players need Why to not? show a lot more respect for the referee. My question because was, it's, it's, Why a, not? It's, it's a different game, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a completely different game. It's, you but know, question, different, different standards, different laws. But my question is, if we're talking purely on respect now, so take the sports away and we're talking in purely there's a guy in the middle he's got he's got the whistle he's in control of the game you know if we're, if we're just purely respecting a man doing his job why wouldn't we want them to be treated the same as say someone like as as in like rugby union you know if i suppose my question and this goes back to my question what do we want to see to happen if we are almost saying that that is a you know that or say tennis or or cricket in the empire you know you know if those people are the gold standard why don't we want to get to that way and why are we saying that it's a different game well no i think i think respect for the referee should be utmost in across all sports i don't care what sport it is i think you know the respect for the referee needs to be up there you know he's the guy making the calls and i think you sort of touched upon it but you know that the pressure involved in these games are are huge and we don't what we don't want to get is we don't want to get robotic sports players that, you know, they run around for 89 minutes and then put a tackle in, win the ball, and the referee says, oh, actually, no, that's a free kick. You know, you're tired and you don't want to be like, oh, okay, ref. You know, there is some sort of emotion, but at the end of the day, you've got you've got to respect the referees. You can't just then turn around and start effing and blinding. This is my biggest problem. And if anything... You know, when they crowd around the referee, you know, as they do in football, I think there just needs to be some more respect. And I think for me, I would quite like refereeing sort of in football to sort of follow what they do in rugby and that the main person should be the captain. You know, I want to speak to the captain. I would really like football to to pick that up, actually. I'll speak to the captain. That's it. If you've got a point, speak to the captain. I'll speak to him. Avoid all this whole crowding around and things like that. Um, and then, you know, if you're upset about it, go to your captain and get it sent out through that. You can't have four or five people crowding around the referee shouting in his face because ultimately he's probably just not going to listen. And unfortunately, they're not dishing out yellow cards for dissent. But, you know, I think this is this is what they should be doing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I think that's I think that's where part of the problem in football comes is that there's no clear sort of lines of comms. Um, I do think with refs as well, uh, maybe work more as a team uh, with the technology, but definitely start sort of stamping their authority. I think that's what it comes down to is their authority on the pitch. You know, it's almost like they, you know, player power, they can be bullied. And, you know, if we started, you know, if we started seeing more fines, you know, we started seeing more bans, uh, we started seeing more cards, we started seeing a stricter sort of discipline process for players, you know, similarly to, you know, like we mentioned last week on the pod with, with racism and stuff, you know, I know there's separate issues, but, if we have clear policy of if you do this, this is the punishment. I think we will see a reduction 
in that behavior but ladies and gentlemen get in touch if uh you know if you have any thoughts on what we can do to improve refereeing standards in football particularly or in sport uh by all means uh, get in touch on our socials uh slide in our dms uh, and we'll uh, we'll love to hear from you right fellas i think it's time that we move on from the biggest tackle and uh, a bit on to a bit of review action and where better to start uh than the champions champions league this week boys leon yeah Please never do that again. I thought that was funny. <laughs> I'll say I'm the, the the dogs in my area, mate, are just uh, are just fucking seeing what's going on now. Uh, boys, <laughs> let's start with a big one. Let's start with the big one. Barcelona won PSG four, an Mbappe hat trick. Uh, you know, basically bending over Messi in his own backyard uh, for want of a better term. Do we see now a changing of the guard? See, initially. I, I thought yes, although PSG did lose this evening at home to Monaco and Mbappe was playing. So uh, I don't know what to make of that. But he that's, was just, that's, I mean, just, he, that's, that's just a messy hangover. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, pun intended. I've, I've always, yeah, I mean, Mbappe's always, we've always known, like, you know, how, how good he is and, you know, how, how, how good he can be. And that game for me was just one that sort of like, jumped out you know there's always some games that you look at Messi or Ronaldo and you sort of they always sort of like stay in your mind I think that one you know in three or four years time people are going to be thinking oh do you remember when Mbappe did this to Messi in his own backyard I think this was a bit of a, a bit of a statement for Mbappe and then I mean it's just showing everyone what he was capable of changing the guard uh, I'm not so sure I know Messi and Ronaldo don't appear to be at their usual standards but I mean, they're just, you know, form is, is temporary, class is permanent, as, as we say. So, Admittedly, though, Ross, you know, Messi and Ronaldo are about 73 and 74 years old each. Um, so it's about time that they retire gracefully. But no, true. Uh, I, 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 I still 15, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah he's still uh, with his Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle pyjamas. Um, but... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, but obviously Ronaldo and Messi still do the business with their respective clubs. Mbappe is definitely one for the future, isn't he? And uh, you know, he, he showed it at the last World Cup, and now he's shown it since his, his move to PSG. Um, but you know, Barcelona, you know, three goal deficit. Obviously, PSG getting the four away goals. It's an uphill battle for Barcelona going into the uh, the next leg. I'm not going to say it's not it's not achievable. Liverpool fans will uh, will know otherwise. Um, um, well, to be fair, I mean, when I was watching the game, obviously with Messi giving Barca the lead, I I wasn't expecting PSG to come out in the second half and and literally pull their pants down. To be fair, I mean, second half was just unbelievable, um, and obviously, in, um, uh, Moise Keane on did the fourth as well, I believe. So um it was an unbelievable game whether or not you know do we see another miraculous comeback in the second leg i'm not too sure but um but it was it was an unbelievable performance by psg um like 10 out of 10 by mbappe and the, the kids the kids just mental um i i had to laugh we're not that um Wenger come out though. yes again after another stellar performance from a wonder kid saying could, could have signed him for free but um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was it was an unbelievable performance. And to be fair, it just it just adds to Barcelona's woes. I mean, they've they've been questionable to say the least this season. Um, so um, yeah, I think I think it's I think it's just another um, another bump in the road for Barcelona. Um, 
but I'm I'm looking forward to the second leg. I reckon that's going to be a hell of a game. Just on that point, Ben, I I think that will be a whole episode of the pod in itself. The list of players that Wenger could have brought when he was at Arsenal. Um, but we'll oh, say that's that's Wenger, what could have been. Please don't. <laughs> they would have won the league about 16 Jeffers. times by now. Like. <laughs> well, to be fair, I mean, if, if he had his own way, he'd have a front three of Ibrahimovic, Ronaldo and fucking Mbappe. So imagine that, ladies Jeffers. and gentlemen. Jovino. <laughs> <laughs> Adi Bayorn is prime. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on, fella. Moving on. What, uh, what is it with Arsenal signing like absolute flops from Ivory Coast? Anyway, first Javinho, now and bloody Pepe. Let's let's not go there. Let's not go there. Let's edit that bit out. I don't like that. I like Pepe. Let's, <laughs> let, let's remind everyone that Arsenal are a equal opportunities employer, um, and they do not discriminate where they get their players yes. from. Uh, moving on, Borussia Dortmund also away for uh, away from home, winning three two uh, against Sevilla. Let's just touch on Dortmund. Um, Erling Haaland, 17 goals in 17 games. We talked there about the change of guard. Obviously, Mbappe uh, doing bits of PSG. This guy, I mean, he, he, he slipped for the clutches of, of Man United and Dortmund, but uh, what a talent this man's turned out to be. And uh, Will we see this guy in the Premier League? That's what I want to know. Will we see this guy banging the hat-tricks for fun? You know, Can he do it on a cold Tuesday night in Stoke? Let's ask the real questions in it. Um, well, Sifa, I, I think uh, to answer your question, Leon, I, I think Harlan will end up in the Premier League at some point because he public news that he wants to play in England, obviously to follow up in his dad's footsteps. Um, Just on the game against Sevilla. Um, yeah, Sifa, I mean, I wouldn't say no seeing him sign for Chelsea. Um, you know, obviously we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, obviously there's been talks of that happening, but I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, with, with the Sevilla game, um, Severe, I'd no answer for him. I mean, um, obviously, you've you mentioned obviously his stats in terms of goals. He's got 18 in 13 Champions League games. Like that, and, it's, and the, the kids, what is he, 20, is he? Um, I think he needs to be tested, if I'm honest. But um, yeah, it was it was it was a very, very good game, to be fair. Dortmund's um never looked like losing it, to be fair. Um and to be fair, will, will we see Haaland um get anywhere near Ronaldo's record um, you know obviously Ronaldo's currently on 128 goals um, so I think I saw I think I saw know, a stat I think I saw a stat on this the other day and I think uh, both Mbappe and Haaland have to score something like 45 goals a season for the next 20 seasons to, to, to get to his and that's obviously without Ronaldo scoring any more so I'm going to say no on that one uh, but like, 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 you know, Haaland, Mbappe, if you prove me wrong, you know, you're welcome on the pod anytime. Uh, <laughs> now, time to move on first. Uh, Liverpool, 2-0 uh, winners away from home to, against RB Leipzig. Uh, back to winning ways to Liverpool uh, midweek. Uh, also, we come on to a game against Everton uh, this weekend or later. But uh, it, seems, it seemed early, earlier in the week it was picking up for Klopp's men. Yeah, it, it did. It really did. And um you know, it was, it was, it was, it was an okay performance from Liverpool. I mean, to get two away goals against Leipzig is is a, a class result for them, really. I mean, both the goals. I know there were two huge mistakes um, from Leipzig, which kind of, you know, did sort of let Liverpool in for their two goals, and um, you know, with, with the result 
uh, the result against Everton, which we will touch upon. Wonder whether that might have papered over the cracks a little bit. Um, but still, fantastic result for Liverpool. I mean, their confidence must not have been great looking at the league form to then go away at Leipzig. But I thought that was a a, a, a typical Liverpool performance, and um, yeah, well worthy of their of their win. I think the shock of the draw, uh, sorry, uh, shock of the round, fellas. Uh, FC Porto 2, Juventus 1, Ronnie and his men not firing on the night. Uh, I think it, are we fair to say that we can't necessarily write off Juve and, uh, you know, and Ronaldo misfiring in this one? Just moving on then, fellas, to, uh, to the Europa League. Man United dominant performance against Real Sociedad, 4-0 win away from home uh, for them. Uh, Bruno Fernandes, the star man for the, uh, for the Red Devils. Uh, is, this, is this a spring forward they need? Is this their most likely chance at silverware because in their league position? Um, I, I, I would say so, yeah. I mean, um, obviously, I, I brought the result up um, earlier on. Um, when I was watching the game, it could, it could have been eight or nine nil. To be fair, um, I mean, obviously you touched up there on Fernandez, but to be fair, I, I thought Dan James and Rashford had an unbelievable game as well. Um, obviously, still win over in Turin. Um, I do feel looking at the teams remaining, um, you know, Spurs. Yeah, they got the win, but they are very inconsistent, and I think obviously as as we've seen. Um, tonight, obviously, yes, they got the. They were that fantastic. Um, so again, are they going to be that consistent to, you know, maintain a top four finish to, um, you know, um, cement Champions League football next season, or are they going to um, do what they did, obviously, under Mourinho a couple of years ago, and having to win Europa League to get back into the Champions League? So I think it's definitely on the cards for them to win. Rangers again, obviously, uh, a team to watch out for. Arsenal, whether or not that they can actually beat Benfica. Beaker on the return leg, you don't know, um, but I, I would, I would definitely say um, it, it's it's on the cards for United, and that's definitely something that they should um, um, put their attention to. Absolutely. Just turning our attention to the Spurs, 4-1 uh, away from home. Bale getting two on the score sheet. Uh, a much-needed win for Jose, although unable to convert that into their league form. We'll touch on, obviously, Spurs, West Ham, uh, or West Ham Spurs, rather, in the, later in the podcast. Um, we touched on Rangers there. Rallying late to get the, the, the win against Antwerp, 4-3, again, away from home. Um, that, thing, that concludes our sort of European cover, fellas. And uh, time to look a bit more, staying on the football hype, uh, look a bit more close to home in the Premier League. I think we've got to start with the Liverpool game. I think we need to dissect that firstly. Everton's first win at Anfield for, uh, in 22 years, uh, two, going up 2-0 two, two winners there. I think it's fair to say this is no longer a blip for Liverpool. Uh, you know, this is a fifth Premier League uh, loss on the bounce. Uh, you know, they're having obviously a terrible time with injuries. You know, Henderson picking up another uh, another injury in that game. How does how does Klopp rally his men now? Where do Liverpool, you know, look look to go in the next, you know, next few games coming weeks? I think part of the problem for Liverpool is that their fortress at Anfield, which has always been their sort of fall back on, um, just looking at it in, in in the league, this is the first time Liverpool lost four consecutive league games at Anfield since 1923. So, you know, normally you think Liverpool at Anfield, 
but you know it is a fortress. It's, it, it that is a tough game. It, it's difficult to see where Liverpool go from here because you know, like we touched upon in the Champions League, they you know they go to Leipzig and you know two away goals, good performance, clean sheet, and then you know they come to home home game against Everton, got the confidence to be up, and uh, yeah, they just didn't really didn't really get the blocks. They didn't really start that well and yeah they just struggled to to create chances so yeah definitely definitely worrying times being a Liverpool fan that's for sure yeah and, and to be fair to, to add to that mate I mean if if you're a Liverpool fan um watching that uh, I mean I I even had to you know put put my hands over my eyes for for periods of that game I mean to be fair they they deserve to lose that game I mean when you start that dreadfully um, I, I don't think I've ever seen Liverpool be that poor um, ever, let alone this season. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, if you start that dreadfully, then you deserve to be down, um, you know, within what was it, the first three minutes. And I think <laughs> I think Liverpool fans can look back at that Aston Villa loss, you know, 7-2 with some form of fondness, if I'm honest. I mean, you know, even Salah is going down, you know, more often than a £10 prostitute. Um, you know, and, and it's just it's just more struggles for the front three. I mean, mm-hmm. Michael Keane had a good game, but Liverpool played into his hands. Obviously, it didn't help Henderson going off injured again. Um, so, you know, it's, it's just one thing after another for Liverpool. Um, I will give them some form of credit. I mean, although they, obviously, it's clear to see that they, you know, have, a, you know, a vast lack of confidence at the moment. Um, they were still, you know, they were still maintaining... Um, quite large spells of possession, which I was actually quite surprised at. Um, but yes, but to lose Henderson at that time um, and in that way, it, it just it just makes it more difficult, really, for Liverpool in general, doesn't it? Um, and I th- I think it's I, I can't see it improving anytime soon. Um, for I mean, even you know, even Van Dijk was obviously in the stands, just looking on in just you know, just pure disgust. It almost looked like. I think he was just eyeing up Pickford and sort of plotting his revenge, frankly. Um, and how <laughs> many, yeah, and like he's just looking at him like, man, when I get on that pitch, man, I'm gonna fuck you up. Um, <laughs> but just touching on Jordan Pickford there, yeah, no, no, want... and, that's, and that's the thing. Obviously, I don't know if you boys had seen the scene in the dressing room after the game. You know, obviously Everton were celebrating like they just won the league, but. Um, I don't think it was a case. I mean, Everton played well. Yes, they did. But I, I wouldn't pull it down as Everton dominated the game and played Liverpool off the park. I think it was just a case that that has to be Liverpool's worst game. Um, and they literally just handed the game to to Everton on a silver platter. I mean, Calvert-Lewin came on. Um, when he came on, he was he played well. Um, but Ever- Everton were far from perfect. I think we're, but you say that better. I think we're doing, I think we are on that point. We've talked about Liverpool a lot, and I think we are doing a discredit to, to Everton, really, in that, you know, Jordan Pickford had a good game, you know, and, and I think he, you know, a, a game, that, a good game that he needed, you know, he's been under some criticism recently, you know, coming up to obviously the England call ups and, you know, whether or not he's still going to be England's number one. And, you know, he had a very good game against Liverpool, I thought, made some very, good, you know, crucial, crucial saves that sort of kept them ahead of Liverpool. Like you say, Michael Keane, yeah, did they play into his hands? He's still got to have a good game. Nonetheless, Godfrey I thought played very well uh, in that in that game as well. You know the likes of Decore solid in midfield and Richarlison stepping up because of Calvert Lewin being off uh, on the bench. So, uh, look, I'm not saying that they were 
head and shoulders better than Liverpool. Um, but I do think you know they definitely deserve the win. Um, and I do think that you know, say we might be doing them a little bit of a, a discredit. But yeah, you're right, absolutely. Liverpool just look poor across the field, nothing really firing. Rock, we took say we probably touched this in our, in our very first pot in that. Um, Liverpool's problem seems to be creativity and control in that midfield. And although they've signed Thiago, he hasn't really delivered, I don't think. Um, he hasn't really sort of been that general that that they were after. But I think it's fair to say now, fellas, Liverpool out of the title race. They they won't defend their their their, their championship this season. Um, and especially, I mean, if you're taking 17 defensive different uh, defensive partnerships into a season, you're going to struggle. But we're seeing, obviously, in weeks to come. Just look at then on the other end of the table, sort of at the bottom of the table, Fulham won, Sheffield nil, uh, the Lutman goal difference at Craven Cottage. I think it's fair to say Sheffield, they've got to be down now, surely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, they're, they're, they're down for me. They've just started way too, way too slowly this year, which was a huge surprise considering how well they did last year. Um, but yeah, yeah, too much for me. Yeah, no, and no, I, I would be the same. I mean, um, I think it just goes to show, I mean, obviously they did have injuries at the start of the season anyway, um, so it was always going to be tough. Um, but the, the loss of Henderson, and, um, I, I, I just don't rate Ramsdale at all. Um, so it looks like he's going to go back-to-back relegations. Um, obviously last year with Bournemouth and likely to be this year now with Sheffield United. There, there's just no creativity at all. Um, I mean, they've got... A, although I'm going to say they have got a championship standard squad, I mean, obviously they worked wonders last season, but I think that that was the case of, you know, right, first season in the league, we're actually going to go at teams and to their credit, they they had an unbelievable season. Um, but what you tend to see, obviously, with newly promoted teams is they do tend to struggle in their second season. In the past, we've seen it with, um, you know, the likes of like Norwich and, um, and Villa as well. Um, Obviously, now they're having a much improved season. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, three points, um, you know, three points off West Brom and they're, you know, 14 points from safety um, off Newcastle. So, yeah, I would say, and that, that's with game more as well. Um, so, yeah, for me, Sheffield United to, to go down without a doubt. Absolutely, I think I think so, Ben. I, I agree. Touching on the other games on Saturday, Southampton won, Chelsea won, uh, Burnley nil, West Brom nil. I just want to touch on Chelsea game very quickly, and uh, very quickly want to pick up this point. Uh, Tammy Abram looked off the pace, obviously coming back from injury, uh, got a, got a start for Chelsea. Didn't look quite at the races. Um, you know, his his manager um, after the game in the post match interview saying. Uh, you know, he wasn't happy with his attitude. Uh, you know, he didn't look like he was, uh, he was tracking back as much. So I thought, I'm not having that, I'm bringing him off. I mean, it's, you know, we talk about, we talked to a little bit in the part about respect from referees, but, you know, it's when your manager comes out and publicly slams you for your job, if anybody, you know, let's take anybody in the work world. If you were at Tesco and somebody, like your manager, publicly said, everyone can have an announcement, Dave is, he's, he's shit at stacking shelves. I mean, I mean, I don't know how you could be shit at stacking shelves, but imagine that that happened. And he's always, you know, that's, I say we're going at one spectrum the other, but he's come out on 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 TV in the post match interview and said, you know, this guy hasn't performed. I'm dropping him. Do you think he was right to do that? Do you think you got almost pick your battles and go, you know, be careful who you're going to shame? Um, 
I mean, I I agree. I I like it. It's 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 a breath of fresh air. When obviously there's again, it, you know, there's still the line by all means. But I think for for a manager to come out and say, look, I you know he wasn't doing the business. Same with Hudson Odoi. You know, he, he comes on, gets taken off. Um, so for for him to come out and say, you know, he wasn't doing it for me. Um, you know, I'm demanding more. I, I personally like to hear that from the manager because you know full well then that he he knows how he wants to play. He knows, um, you know, but the system he though. wants to implement. Again, it, pu- it come, it, you know, it, uh, there's the fine line of it, isn't there? Um, I I don't have a problem with someone, with a manager coming out and say so-and-so wasn't up to it, wasn't up for it today. Um, if they were coming out and basically saying like, like, um, like literally pointing the finger saying, right, he was the reason as to why we didn't win the game, then that's a bit different. But you've seen it previously, obviously, like Mancini and Balotelli. Um, um, See, so it's, it's happened. Um, I, I, have, I have no problem with it if it is literally just a case of, look, he just, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't doing what I asked of him, so I brought him off. I mean, you, any, any manager does that, they, you know, but not many talk about it. So I get that. Um, but what you essentially we don't against what, Southampton. I mean, same with Stoke. What you essentially don't, Ben, is uh, and and by the way, if Ben's boss is listening to this pod, he has opened himself up to public humiliation, humiliation for doing a terrible job. Uh, just an FYI. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I I don't I don't like that. I don't like managers who do that, like publicly shaming uh, a player. I don't. <laughs> There's absolutely nothing for their confidence, and you know, if anything, if he comes out and has another bad game, you know, then then what do you do? Do you, do you criticize him again? I, I, yeah, I not enough, not for me. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Well, it's it's, it's each their own, and I suppose. I mean, exactly. If, if 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 a manager is consistent like that, and but it comes down to the players as well. I mean, if you're if a player is then going to strop and go to his agent or, or the player comes up publicly and basically says, look, like, you know, I'm unhappy with the manager saying that, then, then you've got a bit of a problem. But I mean, if, you know, two, two shots only comes to the door, so you'd like to think that, you know, that the squad is still looking to impress it. Um, so hopefully, you know, but, but what but... two shots come out and said, hopefully that's a kick up the ass. But and they're like, question, right, you know what, I'm going to actually... But my, my, my question, my question, sorry to kick you off, is, you know, we talked about just now about referees being human, um, you know, and you know some of the stuff that they, they have to deal with that they shouldn't, you know. Are we all, again, this is where I'll get a bit a bit confused in Square in that, are we saying it's all right for one person to do that, to do that in the terms of managers and players, but, you know, if it's referees, oh, no, that's not allowed. It's like, right, why is it sort of deemed acceptable, you know, I say, if you were in any other job and somebody, you know, came out publicly and started slamming you, you know, that, as Ross says, it's not going to do anything for confidence. It's going to put you down. You know, don't worry, some people will be listening to this pod and thinking, well, I'll, I'll have the attitude of proving some, somebody wrong. But I think that's different when somebody turns around, points finger and goes, oh, you you know, you were, you were shit today. You weren't very good. Versus I'm going to tell the nation and all our supporters that you weren't very good. Um, and I want you to know. You see my, you see my point in that it, it becomes a grey area. Why, why is that acceptable versus, you know, we've literally just said 
in another profession, it, it's not acceptable. Uh, and, that, and, that, and that's the thing, mate. Um, so, but I, yeah, I, I, I personally, if it's in the right way, as I said, if you're not full on slandering the player and literally George spending like four minutes just ripping the shit out of him, then yeah, I completely agree. That's just out of order. But if it was, just, if it's just a passing comment, just to say, look, so and so wasn't up for it today. Me personally, I'm okay with that. Um, what, what were you? What was your take on that? Sorry, Ross. No, I, I was just gonna um, just, just, just add Leon's point really, and <clears throat> you know, we hear about these these teams that and, and some players that that would run through a brick wall for their manager and being a manager you you do need these players that go the extra mile for you i personally if i was a player and a manager came out then the next game am i really going to then put 100 110% in for this guy who's just said you know i was really poor game my attitude was shocking and i actually i thought i had no right game i i ran the extra miles and i did x y and z I think that would probably just put question mind uh, question marks in the back of your mind as to, you know, do I want to go the extra mile for this guy who came out and publicly sort of not humiliated me, but you know, asked these questions. I, I'd much rather that stuff be kept in house and you know have have, have a chat with the guy. So yeah, I, yeah. Not for it, is it is interesting you say that because obviously the the flip side of that coin is if you do something quite well is he going to come out and give you praise? And I think, you know, we can all agree that no, no, no matter what the setting, whether you be in sport particularly or at work, we're almost reluctant to give that praise, but quite quick to to jump on the negativity. And we've touched on that, haven't we, with, with you know, in our conversation with referees. But um, yeah, yeah. We, we, we move on from that. Spurs uh, lose again in the league. <laughs> five out of six defeats in the league for Jose going uh, to, down to, to West Ham 2-1 uh, Antonio and Lingard on the score sheet Lingard since moving to West Ham I think Man United fans are questioning where has this player been because he weren't doing the business for the Red Devils um, obviously West Ham uh, was a four. we've got to mention how good they're doing and the job that uh, David Moyes is doing maybe potentially I don't want to jinx it David Moyes in the running for uh uh, or in the, as a contender, at least for manager of the year, has to be hundred percent. Got to be. If Pep doesn't want it, which he probably, uh, it's got to go to Moyes. I mean, just look where they are. You know, two thirds of the way through the season, and they've already got more points than what they had last. What they had last year. You know, last year they finished sixteenth with thirty nine points, and you know, already now looking at the table, you know, they're up there. They're up there in fourth, um, you know, with 40 plus points. So, yeah, I mean, what a job he's doing. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I, I, you know, there, there isn't really much for me to add on to that, to be fair, mate. I mean, he, he's, he's been, more um, Moise, to be fair, has been doing a hell of a job at West Ham. But yeah, obviously, Lingard's been an absolute revelation so far. I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's playing with confidence and, you know, the, the smile's back, back on his face. So I think that's a huge huge part um, I mean he, he came out after the game today uh, to say obviously you know um, everyone's in, you know included him and um, you know been uh, welcoming him with open arms so I think that's a key factor and it wouldn't surprise you if West Ham go to sign him one or more permits yes um, because he's he's going to be guaranteed game time and I think West Ham could bring the best out of him because I do feel especially with how United are playing at the minute and obviously their run of run of games. I can't see Lingard 
getting in the squad, let alone the first 11. Um, but yeah, Moyes, Moyes for me, aside from obviously the, the, um, obviously the, the likes of obviously um, Klopp, Pep and um, obviously a few others, I, I definitely would put Moyes up there for, um, for manager of the season as an early contender. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously see where West Ham end up the season. Uh, just a quick, quick skew on the other, other games. Uh, Villa won Leicester two. Uh, Madison Starman for them. City eighteen wins on the bounce of Pep's men. Um, we obviously watched a game earlier, didn't we, Ross? And we thought that it was potentially going to be three, four nil in the first twenty minutes for City, and only you know only the going down by the one. Uh, Arsenal again looked shaky at the back, and I think this is going to be a common theme. You know, a common theme I think throughout the, the Premier League is, you know, how much of a commodity decent centre halves are for teams. Um, and I can see a lot of clubs getting their checkbooks out in the summer for 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 half decent ones. Um, and obviously during this pod, uh, you know, concluded Man United three, uh, Newcastle one. Uh, anything more to add on the football, fellas? No, not for me. I think you hit nail ahead with Arsenal. Um... Lovely stuff. Now, you know, we move on to a bit of rugby now. This, uh, this, sorry, let me start again. Now we move on to uh, a bit of rugby now, ladies and gentlemen, with the Gallagher Premiership. I, I think no better place to start than Friday Night Lights. Uh, Bath 16, Gloucester 14. It's tough being a Gloucester fan, fellas. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I think the big talking point, and we have to obviously point out the elephant in the room, is two red cards in that game being shown, both for high shots. Uh, one to Gloucester's uh, Rapava Ruskin, uh, second to Bath, uh, Bath second row Williams. Um, both two different red cards, I thought. You know, Rapava Ruskin being the ball carrier, using his, you know, using his arm to fend uh, and obviously making contact. So I said with head, we're saying said it before, we're saying again on this pod, you make contact with a head, you get the red. Now, that being said, and we aren't, you know, sort of, I suppose we're strong advocates of that. I felt some sympathy for him, not just because obviously you're a Gloucester fan, but you know, he's the ball carrier and he's looking to defend himself. And I thought there was no difference. Um, and some of some of the listeners might be aware of this. I thought there was no difference to that fend and uh, the one from uh, Cardiff Blues tight head Arhip uh, when he knocked out um, Scott Bar- Scarlett's batter uh, Sir Callum Afoni. Um I didn't really think there was much much sort of difference in that, and sort of he's always looking, sort of t- looking to protect himself, but it obviously changes the game. Um, the same for Williams' red card. Uh, you know he's. He's too high to begin with, but he's going for a shot. You know, it was mistiming more than anything, and that's obviously left him with a red card. I thought my question, and we'll come on to the other red cards later uh, later on the pod in the uh, in the lesser was game. Are red cards just part and parcel of rugby now? And actually, we've just got to sort of get used to it. Or can more be done by coaches, by players, by Royal Rugby? Maybe, maybe they get involved because I think the problem we got is. Players aren't malicious, maliciously intending to to do these actions. They aren't looking to hurt people, and that's what red cards were sort of uh, associated with, with: illegal, violent, foul play. And now they're just bit getting handed out for mistiming and almost misdemeanors, really. Yeah, I think you're right. I think part of the problem is, like the way we sort of touched upon earlier, is that you know when these TMOs getting involved ankles are getting slowed down you know it, it almost looks worse in slow motion you watch it in real time you know it is a bit unfortunate 
you know, whether someone's head is going to the side, someone could be falling in a tackle, and it's just unfortunate where, where you know, they have made contact. I mean, it's hard because you can't sort of coach for every eventuality, and sometimes it is unfortunate, and I think that's potentially where common sense needs to get, you know, a, is, you know, is, is that, uh, is, is that a red card? Does he deserve to sit out the rest of the game for, you know, for that challenge or that tackle? And yeah, it is, it is tricky, you know, like we do have that saying, you know, contact to the head, it's a red, but you know, that's, that's the laws of the game right now. And, you know, if world rugby need to look at those and address those, then maybe they do, but you know, with the referees and the TMOs and rugby, they're following the letters of the law and the letters of the law, as we will keep on saying, if there's contact to the heads, it's going to be a red. So, yeah, you know, and, and rugby's under a microscope now with all the television coverage and all the different angles they get. So you've got to be careful. But like I said, sometimes it is just unfortunate. Um, and whether you should get a red card for that. You know that's that's another debate, isn't it? But I th- I think I think also on the point, and I think Hugo Monier um, maybe raised this in the week uh, was these guys are getting red cards, um, you know, and as we, as we just touched on, so mo- majority of the time it's sort of misjudgment, mistiming, you, you know, just poor poor technique, and you know, it, it's not violent, it's not malicious. They've getting the red card. They're only costing their teams wins. They're costing their team uh, costing their teams a game. They're then being hit with a three, four, six week ban. I don't ever know. I don't really know if I agree with that. Yeah. I don't really think it's fair because you know if it's not intentional, you know if why are you then getting hit with a four or five? What does that actually do? What is that? You know, it's not going to necessarily solve. It's, it's evidently not solving the issue because. These people, you know, people have been given these red cards and they've been given these bans previously, and it's still happening. So actually, is obviously well. I think we we know the answer. The onus is obviously on coaching technique. Uh, you know, you, you just mentioned there, right? We can't coach for every eventuality. I think looking back, at, I did a bit of research and I, I look back at the Xander Fagerson red card from last week. I looking back on it, I take my words back. I felt a bit sorry for Xander Fagerson because. For example, Hoggy goes to to clear Win Jones out of a ruck. Uh, obviously, Fagson comes from distance, looking to smash Win Jones. And what we did say last week, it was a bit, you know, maybe it was a bit more than a hit, maybe a cheap shot. But Hoggy's activity at the ruck causes Win Jones to pop his head up, and as he's popped his head up, Fagson's made contact with his head. Now, yes, letter of the law, we agree, we absolutely agree. Letter of the law, contact with the head, you get the red. But let's look at the actions that that led to that it's not malicious he's not looking to permanently hurt the person he's looking to clear him off a ball so definitely i think something for for world rugby to look at just moving back on gloucester though fellas say they they their 10th uh their 10th loss uh sort of of the season uh, not sorry ninth loss of the season they don't seem to have any sort of penetration in attack they don't seem to have any you know, planned sort of uh, strike move or any any sort of way of scoring tries that they've created themselves. Maybe they've got a bit of a Cipriani hangover. Um, I'm not sure. What what they need to do, because their set piece is looking good. They've got possession, defensively looking okay. Billy Twelvetree is managing the, the game quite well at 10, but only not getting wins. 
I think you, you hit the nail on the head there with the words game management. I think that's that's been Gloucester's downfall, really. I mean, the last two games, they've been closer games, you know. Gloucester put up a bit of a better performance. Um, like I said, in attack is is questionable because, you know, we're not scoring a lot of points, which ultimately, you know, you know, like you said, you can put all that effort in, but at the end of the day, points is what win, what wins your game. So, yeah, you know, I... <clears throat> You know, Gloucester scored, took the lead, and I thought, right, here we go. Quite late in the game. And then, you know, after probably about, what, 90 seconds, they then give a penalty away on the halfway line, right in front of the posts. Yeah, And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, it's, it's, it's a needless penalty. If they if they want to take the lead, you know, make them earn it. Don't, don't give them a stupid penalty. And, you know, they took the penalty, caught the restart, and then, you know, run, run the clock dead. But... You know, just on Reese Priestland, for example, they gave you know they gave this guy a penalty. You know, he's now landed twenty-seven kicks in a row. You know, this guy, and they've given him a penalty fifty meters out, right in front of the post. But what you know, what do you think was going to happen? And you know, sometimes I just think you know they are their own worst enemy. You know, silly little mistakes, but you know there is improvement. But at the end of the day, you got to start winning games and you got to start scoring points and. That's essentially where Gloucester need to go from here. I think they need to start getting a bit more inventive when they've got the ball. Just they're just not doing it, and you know our own worst enemy giving away silly penalties, and ultimately that's 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 what wins and loses you the game. Yeah, I think what's I think what's uh, just looking on the other side of the coin, just taking a quick look at Bath. What's worrying is so if it took them to the you know the 34th minute of the first half, whilst Gloucester had a man down for for them to score score a try, and you know before the game they were sort of bottom of uh, bottom of the statistics board in every department. So uh, I mean they'll obviously be looking at you know the Derby win and thinking you know great, but I think they've got issues themselves in attack and defence, similar to Gloucester. Um, but you know. Much needed win for Bath. Gloss is still looking for their second win of the of the season. Um, I think they're showing promise. They definitely look to to turn it around. But we'll see for the for the Cherry and Whites fans. Uh, Holly Quinns twenty fourth, South Sharks twelve fifth straight win for Quinns. They move up to third. Uh, and Marcus Smith and Don Brandt again showing good form. Whether or not they get the England sort of call up, uh, we'll see some questionable uh, call ups from Eddie with uh, George Martin of Leicester and Alex Mitchell of Northampton getting called up to the England squad. That's a whole different conversation, probably for next week, I think, fellas, as we look towards the round three of the Six Nations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the, I just want to touch on. Uh, Exeter now, now Northampton first winner X in seven years. I'm not sure whether you've seen this, ladies and gentlemen, but extra score in the 80th minute to get into uh, a point within winning. And uh, Joe Simmons goes to take a kit. He does a little bit of a twitch. And uh, before you know it, Northampton players have run and kicked the ball off his own tee and the ref has blown up. Now, do we think this should have stand? You know, going back on the whole ref's debate, you know, we want technology to be involved. Didn't go to the TMO. TMO didn't even get involved in that instance. So it does... You know, raise a question on why is it why wasn't that done? But justified or? Yeah, I mean that's that's the law, isn't it? That's the law. You know, as soon as you, uh, you know, as soon as you start making forward progress, that's that's you know that's the that's the go for the for the defending players to to get off to get off the line, and that was always going to happen. But you know, ultimately, the reason why that is that that is the law is so that you can't sort of dummy the players. You know, as soon as there's a twitch, you know, if that 
if that then gets called back, you know, so they're saying that he hasn't started his run up, then what's to stop sort of other players, you know, doing that? Have a little twitch and just say, well, that that was that was what Simmons did. Um, but yeah, you know, that's that's the law at the end of the day. And I think Rob Bag Rob Baxter actually came out and said, you know, it certain angles look like, you know, he, he did sort of take a little step forward. So I think he deserves a bit of credit for that as well. Just, just taking a look at the next two games in, in the Prem. Leicester Tigers 27, was 8. Three red cards in that game, gents. And, uh, you know, two of which, again, for another uh, for high shots. Uh, I've definitely got some sort of sympathy with Keir, Kieran Brooks. Another one where sort of he has to go high because somebody else has made a tackle and gone low. And, you know, I think this would be a raging debate for the next few weeks when we see more and more sort of red cards get dished out in rugby because of... Uh, you know, because of mistiming or, or or shots like that. But, you know, we're going to see, you know, we're going to get to a point where we're going to see the list of band players extensively long. Uh, London Irish 34, Bristol 34. It's a Sunday's game. London Irish fight back from 25 points down uh, to secure draw. To be honest with you, watching this game earlier, felt I thought Irish deserved the win in the second half. So Bristol seemed to implode. Um, we'll see, obviously we'll see where this, where, where, where Irish end up later on in the season but are probably looking uh, at this one as a win that probably got away um, any more points on the rugby this weekend gents no I think you I think we've covered that uh, nothing for me mate no the sooner we move on from Gloucester the better <laughs> right ladies and gentlemen it's that time of the week where we crown our hero and donor of the week uh, Ben who you got hero of the week um, look no further than the West Ham celebration really <laughs> obviously uh, Lingard comes in with his um, trademark trademark celebration and then uh, obviously everyone else is basically uh, mimicking him which is fair enough you tend to see that nowadays and then Declan Rice comes from fucking nowhere look, looking like he's riding the fucking chariot into the Coliseum on Gladiator I mean well I don't know mate it, it might have been Gangnam Style but it looked like like I said it looked like Bottom left of the screen, he was just riding the f- like moment of the week for me. That was, yeah, that was just um, it tickled me definitely. Firstly, I support any uh, any celebration that becomes a meme instantly. Uh, so yeah, you've got my vote. But I'm going to hand this one. I'm going to hand our heroes the week uh, to Djokovic. I mean, to win your ninth Aussie Open title. Uh, it, if, you know, to not be beaten in, in Melbourne, that, it, that is a feat in itself. Um, I can't really think of any any other heroes who stood up for me. How about yourself, Ross? Yeah, I think I, I tend to agree with you. I think Djokovic, you know, getting within those couple of wins uh, between Nadal and Federer, I think that's a huge moment, and I can see him sort of getting a few more before before he retires. So, yeah, yeah, for me, Djokovic. Djokovic, your crown our hero of the week. Now, donut of the week. Now, before we continue, ladies and gentlemen, internally, we're going to hand over donut of the week to our very own Ross uh, for 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 just not bringing not bringing the stats, bringing the pod into disrepute uh, last week. Do you want to explain a little bit more, Ross? Oh, I did, I did, I did. You now you have had we a haven't... Western supermare. Oh, I've had a I've had a disaster here. Trying to build up Tiger Woods, greatest of all time, and then spout how he's won eighty two PGA Tour championships. He has not won eighty two PGA Tour championships. That is not right. 
He's got 82 PGA Tour wins, not championships. That is a separate tournament. I know that. I should have known better. And uh, for that, I apologize for anyone who is offended. And Tiger, if you are listening, I really am a fan. Okay, I do know what I'm talking about. It just came out all wrong. So I am the donut of the week. Uh, very, absolutely. I think you should be donut of the week. Um, you know, questionable uh, golf knowledge there, Ross. I always want to make a, an honourable mention. Uh, one to Adama Traore's barnet. Uh, he's gone from tight cornrows to whatever his lockdown throw, I'm going to say, is. Um, and then also to that goal where the, the goalie sort of scores an on goal with his back. Uh, off bag shot so yeah Adam Atrara your uh, honourable mention uh, Ben any donuts for you? Um, no as you felt I mean I, I was thinking about this the other day actually um, but no it ha- has, to, has to go to Roscoe I mean there's just uh, you can't you can't be uh, you know it's putting appalling, isn't facts, it? make yourself look look all knowledgeable and then realise that you've actually made an absolute howler you know, absolute howler so um, yeah, sorry, Roscoe, but um, yeah, you're our donor you get, you get of the week. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. <laughs> uh, a Krispy Kreme will be coming your way, Ross, and I'm sure you'll enjoy. Uh, right, fellas, I think that concludes episode three of the Tackle Pod. It's been okay. Um, unless you've got anything to add, it's uh, it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me, and it's a goodbye from me. Remember, remember, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to get in touch with us via our socials, give us a follow on the Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or like and just slide into our DMs. Keep an eye out for our polls, uh, for, for our comment section, and uh, we'll be with you next week for another episode of the Tackle Podcast. Thank you for listening. Take care. <laughs>